0: I know a place where we can. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. we to the river,
1: Well, this is Dr. Bob Bender with Crosswalk Colorado Springs uh, this Thanksgiving day, Thursday afternoon. Hope you're having a great Thanksgiving with the fam with friends, being reminded of the need to be grateful. A word from God's Word before we begin, no, as we begin, because we're beginning now. In Matthew 25, I'm reading where Jesus tells the story of how people were treating this person who was naked and in need of clothes and in need of food and in need of help And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, whatever you've done to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it to me. And this story in Matthew 25 reminds us, especially today, Thanksgiving, that the key to entering the kingdom of heaven, the key to embracing kingdom values, is not so much right theology, that's important, or even great faith. That's important. But Jesus when he uses the story of the judgment who's going to make it and who isn't, he says it's based on how we act out our faith and our theology and our ministry in life to the least of these. So let's be sensitive to the least and the lost and the lonely and the left behind and the left out. Let's Put our faith into practice by ministering to those who, in many ways, need us the most. And so, Lord, today we are grateful for our blessings, indeed, to many to count, especially in light of what's happening around the world, in the Middle East. And again, Lord, we're praying for your intervention, Lord God Almighty, That evil would be eradicated, that righteousness would prevail, that the collateral damage would be minimized, and that our hostages would come home. Help us, Lord, to seek you in all things, and to pray over our world, especially that part, and for the peace of Jerusalem. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today and tomorrow... We're going to talk about something unusual. You know, there's nothing worse than a judgmental, non smiling, pursed lipped, stiff Christian. Is it possible to take our faith too seriously? And as I defined that kind of Christian, judgmental, non-smiling hum- humor, almost a heresy, pursed lips, stiff, stiff neck, even—who am I describing in the first century world? The Pharisees, the Pharisees. So perhaps sometimes we have a little mu- too much starch in our. Underwear, perhaps we need to loosen up a little. I don't know if that relates to you. It certainly does to me. I started out my pastoral ministry a little stiff. Now, I'd been in student ministry for eight years, so I knew how to goof off and have a good time. You had to with young people, but somehow when I Became the lead pastor. I, I put on a, a different. I had a different mantra. There was a senior adult woman who would come up to me and and give me a side hug, and I would stiffen up. And she would say, "Pastor, why, why do you stiffen up when somebody hugs you?" Now that, of course, is a, a different issue than than just having fun. But that was a manifestation of, I think, my value system, of my approach to life. Here we were in Austin, Texas, all kinds of opportunities to enjoy life. I mean, I got so many opportunities to go to a UT football game. I was there almost 10 years and did not go to a single one. I mean, people quit asking me after I told them no. I mean... Saturday I I was so such a hard driver I had the pastors meeting at 10 for visitation I had them coming back Saturday night for prayer we were on Sunday had Sunday night church of course Sunday morning we had evangelism Monday night we had prayer meeting Bible study Wednesday night we even started Thursday morning prayer time I mean I wanted to win the world I was serious about about my faith and about my work and really overly overly so i could have and i learned later to loosen up a little bit now listen obviously i'm not talking about our christian faith essentially being casual and cavalier and funny haha and superficial But I am saying that should be an aspect of our lives. I remember, in fact, it was at a Christian conference center here in Colorado Springs when I brought our college students from OU to uh, Campus Week here, and, and it was pizza party night. And here we are having a good time and at my table, I had purchased a book entitled Godly Self-Control, and evidently one of the speakers thought our table was having a little too much fun, and he walked by and he said, you guys need to read this book, as if we were having too much fun in the pizza party, and I just felt, you know, we're just a little too stiff around here. In fact, at that same conference, I'll just tell you this. I got up for breakfast, went to the dining hall, had no sooner put my tray down and sat down in my seat that the fellow beside me, after barely introducing himself, said, well, what did God tell you in your quiet time today? Well, i had had my quiet time and I and I mumbled something, you know. But hey, we we don't even know each other. Aren't, aren't we a little too tight around here? Well, what about Jesus? Yes. He set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. Yes, he was a man of sorrows. But was there another side of Jesus when he was here in the flesh? Was he all twenty-four-seven, three-sixty-five, serious and all tight and focused? I, I don't know. Let's consider this. Elton Trueblood has written a book, "The Humor of Christ." And his thesis and mine is obviously Jesus was not a stand-up comic, but I think there was a side of Jesus we need to dial into, for instance, when he talked about straining gnats and swallowing camels that that was a that was a funny haha when people heard that they they smiled they laughed what what is your favorite picture of Jesus there are many pictures of Jesus out there, my favorite picture of Jesus is the laughing Jesus. Robert Hooke drew one. Willis Wheatley drew one. The laughing Jesus. After all, who created humor anyway? God created all of our emotions. He created hum- Humor. And so today we're going to dial in to a funny thing happened in my ministry, and we're going to have a biblical basis of it. So when you return, we'll start telling stories. See you
0: soon. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7, the word.
1: Welcome back. We are addressing an unusual issue in the Christian faith. We're talking about humor. We're talking about fun. We're talking about joy. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bone there's something about a cheerful heart friend that affects us physically psychologically and spiritually as well of course jesus said in john 16:22 let no man steal your joy and i believe for some of us we've allowed people we've allowed circumstances and maybe we even have allowed preachers to steal our joy. I remember one person spoke of his pastor. He said, you know, I know I need to grow in my faith, but it seems like every time I go to church, I come away, feel like I've been spanked. And that's kind of the the kind of Christianity I grew up in. A Southern Baptist, hardcore church, you know, you're a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners. shape up. And of course that's, that's true, but if that's all you hear, guess what? What do dirty, rotten sinners do? They do dirty, rotten sins. So let's try to be a little more positive, a little more encouraging. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I'll never forget walking out of a restaurant with my discipler who came to Austin to speak on discipleship, we had a discipleship conference, and we came out of that restaurant, and he quoted First Timothy 6.17 as he smiled with a, a full stomach. He said, you know, isn't it good that God has given us all things richly to enjoy? Consider that, friend, the fact that God has given you all things richly to enjoy. Now, that same verse says, let not the rich trust in their riches, but trust in the Lord God, who has given us all things richly to enjoy. So, could I encourage you just to pause and enjoy life a little bit? Maybe you need to loosen up like I did. Loosen up, man, and enjoy life Thinking of Jesus, was there another side of Jesus? Obviously, the joy of Jesus. My joy, he says, I give you. And so the disciples had to have insight what that joy was, and it resonated with them. What about, what about the Lord Jesus? What about another aspect of him? Could it be that when Jesus and the disciples... Cross the Jordan. Could it be that every now and then maybe they had a water fight? Think on this. Do you have trouble with a Jesus who, if he came today and attended a church picnic, would you have trouble with a Jesus who's out there playing softball? At first I did. But now I don't. A funny thing happened joy in life, and I'm going to be citing some of these funny things in a moment, but first I want to cite Norman Cousins, who had a 1 in a 500 chance of recovering from his illness. He was nearly paralyzed, he had degenerative collagen illness, and he decided, since he was basically given a death sentence by the medical community, he thought he would take things in his own hands. And so he pumped himself full of vitamin C and then secondly took a most powerful drug, the most powerful drug he could think of, and guess what it was? Self-induced bouts of laughter. Yes, while in the hospital, he watched comedy movies. He watched uh, TV shows that were funny Uh, back then, Candid Camera and the funny shows. And guess what? He got well. He got well because of laughter, because of joy. There is a Mayo Clinic study on laughter. That cites laughter, increases your intake of oxygen, which is good for the blood and the heart and the lungs and your muscles. It increases the release of endorphins, which is healthy. It decreases stress and lowers your heart rate and blood pressure and stimulates The circulatory system, which obviously is good for our whole bodies, especially the muscles, and helping them to relax. And so, hey, we've got the Word of God that says a cheerful heart's good medicine. We have medicine itself. We have, I believe, Jesus, who had a joyful side and a side that enjoyed life. After all, he's God's Son. God created humor. So, my approach is that sometimes people ought to have more fun than Christians ought to have. We ought to enjoy life. We ought to ponder the the funny things that occur to us. Our church in Ada, Oklahoma, had a really, we had a banquet every year. There was nothing but silliness. And fun, and we did this in Austin as well, the UT students in our church in Austin in the church. We had uh, fall Farnsworth follies and a spring shagnasty spectacular. I mean, we had more fun than Christians ought to have. and reached a bunch of UT students. In fact, we got to lead the strength coach to the Lord, football strength coach, and and uh, James Lankford uh, a senator from Oklahoma, came out of that group. We just felt like, hey, we're going to enjoy life here. And I I began to break out of that starchy mode that I was in. Anyway, in in Ada, Oklahoma, we had these fun times once, once a year, just a fun banquet. And we invited our doctor friend across the street, who was involved about you name it, he did it. I mean, he was involved, he was far from God, never had been in a Protestant church in his life. And we invited him, he and his uh, living girlfriend, to attend with us at this banquet. And so he and she did, and he just noticed how much fun we were having. You know, he said there's a different aspect to this Christian life. I I think he mused to himself at any rate. He came back to a worship service sometime later, within weeks. Never been in a Protestant church, as I said. Didn't know how to act. But as we gave the public invitation, I'm getting emotional as I tell this story. He was convicted of his sin. He ran down the aisle and just knelt at the altar, falling down, kneeling at the altar, seeking God. And that was the day of his salvation and i believe a big part of him coming to faith in jesus was the fact that he saw a christian just having fun for having fun's sake and the last person i had the privilege of leading to the lord before i left that church was his was his daughter because they were both on a mission trip to mexico you see let's engage this part of our christian faith Let's enjoy life. Of course, there are serious times. There are burdensome times of prayer and fasting and seeking God, obviously. But there are times of joy as well. What about in your life? Do you Are you enjoying your Christian faith? Are you enjoying those around you? Well, when we return, I'm going to tell you some stories that are hilarious, things that happened in 55 years of ministry. Entitled, A Funny Thing Happened in Church. See you in a minute.
0: This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word.
1: Happy Thursday, Happy Thanksgiving, and there's so much that we have to be thankful for. And the one thing I want us to consider to be grateful for is the joy of our Christian faith, the times we can have fun as a Christian, how sh- we should be grateful that our faith Embraces that aspect as well. A cheerful heart is good medicine. And so let's enjoy life for a little bit. You know, if you've been in the ministry for 55 years, you have a lot of things happen to you, and a lot of them are humorous. And I want to share some of those. My ministry started as a senior in high school. It's not a funny story, but it is the springboard for all of them. It is quite humorous in a way. But anyway, back in the day, when I was a senior in high school, we had Southern Baptist Church, Lawton, Oklahoma, Trinity Baptist Church, On Wednesday nights, you had your youth group, but you had the double dip. You had to go to adult prayer meeting as well. So one Wednesday night, about January in my senior year, five of us are sitting on the front row, and N. N. Antonson, the pastor of the Trinity Baptist Church, gets up. It Basically just lies through his teeth, if the truth were known. But he said something like this. He said, now... I have five commitments that I have to speak at the next six weeks, and I I can't make all these commitments. I'm a I'm a I'm a busy man, and I see five fine young men on the front row. I believe will do a good job. So he had our attention. So right there in front of God and everybody, he says, "Now I want you five men to go preach for me at these five places." that I've been asked to preach. Well, he hadn't been asked there to preach at all. He had arranged them himself. And so he just names them off. He says, Bobby Bender, you're going to go to the Fort Sill Indian School, and you're going to speak at such and such. And John Brooks, you're going to go to this nursing home. Dave Hawkins, you're going to go to this nursing home. And name two others, Herman Rios, you're going to go here, there. and Billy Hall, you're going to go there. Well, guess what? I mean, we just been told what we're going to do, and so we did, and guess what? We liked it, and God called all five of us into the ministry. Wow. You see, sometimes people see something in us we don't see in ourselves. And because of that experience, our ministry was launched, and we started out as youth directors and didn't know Sikkim from Come Here. In our first assignments i I started out an itinerant an itinerant youth evangelist because back in the day, this is right before and during the Jesus movement. by the way, Wheaton College has done an oral history on the Jesus movement, and Ed Stetzer, a quality guy, a highly known fellow in the evangelical world, has interviewed several that were involved in the Jesus movement. And if you go to the Wheaton College website and go to their Jesus movement oral history and scroll down to Bob Bender interview, then some of these stories are are told in that context. I mean, God was moving in a great way. So it was great to do youth ministry during the Jesus movement. I can imagine the challenges of doing student ministry today. But anyway, our little youth group, we uh, went around preaching in churches and uh, took our choir and they sang uh, these youth revivals. And one week, we were invited uh, to go to the S.M. Lockridge Crusade in Lawton, Oklahoma at McMahon Auditorium, seats 1,200 people. And so we pile on a bus— and we notice that our our music and youth director's not with us. He had another commitment or something came up anyway, so we're on this bus, couple of sponsors, about thirty of us, and we arrive at McMahon Auditorium. Of course it's a African American revival and SM Lockeridge preaching, big name back then st- still has been. I believe he's gone home to be with the Lord if I'm not incorrect. But anyway, so we get off the bus and and they usher us to the front and we got this place uh, off to the side at the front and the only caucasian people there and the auditorium's full and let get, catch this image a 200 voice female choir sings pass me not o gentle savior i mean they're swaying and singing i mean it's so emotive and emotional i mean we're just we just Just stunned, really. And then after this choir sings, the MC gets up and says, and now the choir from the Trinity Baptist Church will come and sing a number. I'm telling you, we had no idea. I think what had occurred was they just assumed that since we were a choir, that our director would be there and we would just be prepared to sing anywhere we go. Well, let me tell you, we weren't. And we didn't move an inch, and so he had to repeat himself. He said, now the choir from the Trinity Baptist Church will come and sing. And then the usherettes came with white gloves, and they motioned us to get up. And so this little group of white teenagers muddled up to the stage, and so Anita, our pianist, starts playing the piano, and I go and I lean on the piano, and I say, Anita. What are we going to do? She says, well, let's sing something simple that we know. Let's sing, my Lord, I'm on my journey. And since I was a choir president, I was kind of thrust out in the front there. And so I mouth to the choir, my Lord, I'm on my journey. And they, their heads are nodding. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. And so I start directing and Anita starts playing, my Lord, I'm on my journey. My Lord, I'm on my journey. And then I realize... There's a solo part. And so I look at Bill, you going to sing the solo? No. I look at Nancy's, no. And so, no, no, the solo part is a part of this song. Somebody's got to sing it. And so guess what? I just sang the solo part myself, but I was so embarrassed to turn around and face the audience that I faced the choir (laughs) and sang the solo part. Have you ever seen a choir sing And somebody in the choir singing a solo, you're trying to figure out who it is. Well, they never figured out who it was because I had my back to the audience. And so we sang it and we made it through it. And I'm sweating bullets. And they just were so gracious. And it was it was barely passable. And uh, somebody prayed right before we sang, and so the MC—I'll never forget his face. So I'm sitting on the chair in the front row for some reason. They haven't dismissed us yet, and he turns around during this prayer and he says, "That would—that was great. Can you sing another?" <laughs> I said, "No, I'm afraid not. That's about all we have." But anyway, you see, starting out in ministry, I didn't know Sikkim from come here. And you just start out doing the best you can with what you have. In fact, there was one time we're both youth directors and we're commuting from Oklahoma City to Shawnee, Oklahoma Baptist, and we both find out that we're dating the same girl, Mary Jane Thompson. And so we get all—I drove by one time, and I see his, his, his car at her house, and I get all amped up. And so we started duping it out, coming out of the car. Two youth directors at Oklahoma Baptist— and my, we're just so immature starting out and, and carnal in some ways. And, and then later on, I'm called to the First Baptist Church of Ada, Oklahoma, and the associate pastor, right as we're eating there before we arrived, he said, There's somebody who's so looking forward to you being her pastor. And he said, Mary Jane Thompson, and Beverly, my wife, about lost it and dropped the fork. What? She's here? Well, as sovereignty would have it, by the time I arrived, because there's some time in this dinner engagement and arriving at the church, Mary Jane had moved on. So, you know, the Lord <laughs> He protects us sometimes from ourselves and from the messes we get into. Well, return and I will have a bunch of funny stories to tell you about Fifty-five years of ministry.
0: Crosswalk Colorado Springs on one hundred point seven. The word. Good God Almighty! I hope you find me.
1: Welcome back. A cheerful heart is good medicine, and there is a relationship between joy, between laughter, between fun, and a a healthy lifestyle. And we're seeing that in our Christian faith, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And sometimes you just got to enjoy life and thank God for our experiences that add this dimension to our lives of laughter. As I said, I started out in itinerant youth evangelism, these churches would have youth revivals Friday night, uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and as a freshman at Oklahoma Baptist, uh, I was involved traveling uh, North Texas, Oklahoma, Southern Kansas in preaching these weekend meetings, and one of them was up in Enid, Oklahoma, and I thought, well, I'll just travel over to Oklahoma City and spend the night with my roommate at his house because Enid's just 40 minutes north of Oklahoma City. So I spent the night and got up Sunday morning to head up to Enid. I believe it was a Calvary Baptist church. And lo and behold, somebody had broken into my car. I had a a 62 Chevy And it was a kind with the speaker in the middle of the back seat. I mean, it was a classic, but that's beside the point. The point is, he had broken in that vent window, had stolen all my clothes, stole, I don't know why he wanted my sermons, but he stole those as well, stole my guitar. I mean, so I wake up, I'm, you know, a couple hours away to start a revival meeting. And I have, back then you wore a suit when you preach, you just can't. Show up, you know, preaching anything. So I'm beside myself. Well, I had my quiet time book. I had brought it inside, and so I took that and I, and I tootled on up uh, to Enid. And Robert Wagner was the music director, and he's about five, maybe five ten, shorter than me. Well, he says, "I've got an extra, I've got an extra suit. You can just wear that." so let's let's give it a shot, so I put on Robert's extra sh- suit I'm back then you sat up on the platform, and I'm sitting up on the platform and the suit was so small it was about halfway up my arm to my elbow, and of course, when I sat down, it was halfway up my knee, you could see my socks and my hairy legs and everything in this suit that barely fit me well, like i said the, the whoever t- took my clothes, took my sermons, also, we just took everything, so all that happened was my quiet time book, so I began the revival with twelve reasons why to have a quiet time I mean it was it was terrible, I'm telling you somehow, I got my sermons and I got to preach them the rest of the week, and let me tell you, I got a good love offering that week because bless their hearts they knew I'd had almost clothes stolen, so I started out an itinerant. A, a s- preaching on the weekend, and, and Bud Jolly up at Arnett, Oklahoma, which is three hours one way from OBU, said, "I want you guys to come and preach for me." This was during school, freshman at OBU. He says, I'm, "We're going to have a Sunday to Sunday meeting, and we're going to have we're going to pull out all the stops." And so, my soul. By the time Thursday night got there, I mean Arnett. I mean it's. It's 10 miles from Texas, three hours one way. He said, hey, we'll start, we'll start the service at 8 o'clock, get you time to be here, and, and we can pull this off. We didn't have smarts enough to, to skip school, and so we're spending eight, six hours a day on the road. Well, Thursday night comes, and I'm laying my head behind the driver, my music guy, and all of a sudden I hear these rocks hit the wheel well. And I wake up, and I'm startled. And, of course, I've, we're out in the middle of a field. Luckily, there wasn't an abutment or a fence or anything. And, and he gets controlled and gets back on the highway. And I said, Robert, you fall asleep? He said, nah, nah, I'm okay. I'm sure he fell asleep. Almost killed our fool selves. In fact, that's what I said. I said, Robert, we got to find us a church. We're going to get our fool selves killed with this kind of tremendous scheduling. And so sure enough, First Baptist Church of Chandler, Oklahoma called and said, we need a music and youth director. And so uh, he said, uh, Richard Hogue has, has recommended to you because he just been here. We've had about 56 kids saved, and I got I to gotta get a youth director in here to disciple these kids and lead us in worship. I was so desperate for a church. I mean... S.W. Keaton didn't ask how much music I knew, and I certainly didn't tell him. So I said, Robert, I got a In view of a call of this church, they're going to vote on me being music and youth. All I have is an hour. Tell me all oh, you know about music. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And so he he tells me to smile and be enthusiastic. And here's two, three, and here's three, four. And, and uh, whatever you do, he says, when you sing your solo, because they're going to want you to sing a solo don 't sing it with the pianist you 'll mess up you 'll mess up, and so he gave me this uh, the, all of this music for the choir that Wednesday night before church. And can it be that I should gain? I mean, it was a choral piece. I mean, the women come in, and the men go out, and I'm sweating bullets. And, and I arrived there, first of all, with the organist who'd been there 86 years, and there wasn't five minutes into the choir practice she saw through me, like, you know, this guy is a, a fake, as a $3 bill, you know. Well, we made it through choir practice, the 19, and we did a fairly good job on Sunday morning, presenting the choral piece, and met with the youth and loved the youth. Well, it came time for the solo, and so I chose talk about a child who do need Jesus, and it's a solo, but it goes up a half step every verse. Well, I started so high By the time I got to the fourth verse, I talk about a child way up in the stratosphere, you know. So embarrassing. But anyway, so I left, and they they voted on me that night. And uh, the pastor called me, and he said, well, I got the vote. The vote is 45 to 19 and the church ran about, about 150, but only about that many showed up to vote. And he said, well, you can come if you want to, but I don't think I would because you know who those 19 are. I said, yeah, that'd be the choir. And he said, well, i tell you what I was going to do. Uh, you can come on to, but I, I I wouldn't suggest it. In fact, I've got an idea. I was going to pay you $35 a week for you to come and do the music and youth. I tell you what I hear. You have a fine music director as your partner, Robert Wagner. If you can get him to come with you, I'll pay him $25 a week and you $25 a week to work with the youth because the youth love you. And so I said, well, I'll find out. And so I ran into Robert Wagner's dorm room at Oklahoma Baptist University as a freshman. I said, Robert, we found our church. (laughs) We didn't pray about it. You know, we just knew it was of God. And we both started there. And what a wonderful ministry to get us out of itinerant ministry into the local church ministry. Well, it was exciting in the Jesus movement to move and see God move in a great way. I was at then the Nichols Hills Baptist Church, Oklahoma City. I had a hayride. I was planning on uh, maybe maybe fifty, maybe seventy five show up this hayride. Well about two hundred and fifty showed up. Well luckily Charlie Holt, a guy in our church, ran a truck uh, um, outfit downtown oklahoma city i said charlie i need all the trucks you got and so he gave us a gave us a chicken bus he gave us a moving van gave us all that we could to put all these kids in and we had a great time had a bunch of them bunch of them saved that night well so i i wanted to have a choir at this church so i i had a youth choir and I was going to do a solo there, and I told the pastor. I said, "A uh, pastor of this youth choir has to have uh, has to have some drums with it." And he said, "Well, we've never had drums in our church before." And I said, "Well, come on, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time." So he said, "Okay." You can have drums, but he has to be out in the hall. <laughs> There's two little bitty halls, eight, eight little, uh, little halls off to the side of the choir, you know. So he's out in the hall playing the drums, and I sing a solo. And I think the choir sang first, and I sang the solo second. And the pastor got up and said, he, this is his exact words, isn't it wonderful when somebody's really sincere about their faith? In other words, it was a terrible song, but he loves Jesus, so we'll give him some grace. A funny thing happened. Join me tomorrow for more stories, humor stories, and 55 years of ministry. God bless you.